on radio i'm rich anderson your host and um joined this week my uh an old friend of mine who if you're an old listener of the show might sound familiar um he is the uh, editor-in-chief of kitty sneezes and a former host of crush on radio please welcome matt keely hey how's it going pretty good hey it's good to talk to you again yeah i, I don't know i was i was wondering like i mean should we pretend that there's some sort of drama just to get like listenership up that you know that this is actually like a really tense episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I, I, I want to get Andrew back on, too, in the near future, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, having Merlin as the first guest, you know, that, that, that gets people pretty excited. So we don't need to drum up drama. Okay, okay. Well, if, if Besides, I'm if, the bad actor who shut the show down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever do need drama, just let me know, and I can, I can, I can hate you if you want. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, you you have an interesting pick this week, and it's kind of funny because we've been and over the past three episodes, we've been sort of building up to this unintentionally. Yeah. So why don't you set this up for everyone? Okay. Well, I, I kind of figured too. I mean, not only for the last three episodes, but also uh, for kind of the last three years. Honestly, we've been kind of dancing around this, and I think finally we're just going to say like. Okay, let's just do it. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Devo. This is the Devo show. <laughs> In particular, uh, Oh No, It's Devo is the album that I have chosen. Yes, this is uh, their fifth album from 1982. Yes, and uh, it's actually, uh, I don't know if I've told you this story, but it's its my first Devo record. Actually, no, you didn't. That's, that's I'm glad you, that's, that's cool. That's an interesting place to start, too. Yeah, well, well, uh, what it was was that, um, I, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big Barnes and Barnes fan, and I, I think I even picked like Spaz Chow for one of the earlier picks back in the before time. Uh, but anyway, uh, like not only does Boogie Boy show up in uh, the Barnes and Barnes uh, VHS uh, Zabagaby, but there's also a song on their Soak It Up EP, which is also on the. Uh, now you can get it on the uh, Code of Honor uh, CD that's available. But uh, it's called uh, Before You Leave Positive Life. But if you look at the credits, it's very odd because it's Barnes, Barnes, and Mother's and Mark Mothersbaugh. Um, so I did a little bit of research about that, and I found out that it was basically a um, rewrite of the song I Desire from Oh No, It's Devo. So what happened is the, the next time I went to a record store, I sold off... Um, a few CDs that I didn't want anymore and had a little bit of credit. So I started looking around and uh, found that they actually had a copy of Ono on vinyl. And I made sure that that, that's the one that had I desire on it, which it is because, you know, I know now (laughs) Um, ended up saying, well, you know what? I've got, you know, X amount of credit here. Uh, You know, I've been kind of curious about Devo for a while anyway, that Whippet song is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, let, let, let's... I don't think I've heard of that one. 
Yeah, yeah, it's. I know it's it's a, it's a it's a real obscure B side. I I don't know, but <laughs> but um. So I I just figured I'd take a bogey on it, and if anything, I would at least, uh, you know, I figured you know, at, at at the, even if I think the record sucked, at least I would hear what the Barnes and Barnes song was based off of, you know, and I figured that was that was worth the store credit, you know, either way, especially because you know. It was store credit. It wasn't money. Because <laughs> I was in high school at this time, so I was pretty cheap. Which is which isn't to say I'm not cheap now, but <laughs> you have to be cheap in high school. Is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, so I I brought it home. Uh, like I think I I listened to one of the other records that I got, which I don't actually even remember what it was at the at the time. When like, oh yeah, this is good. Maybe it was like an XTC record or something. I don't know. Um, and then I said, well, okay, I'm going to listen to this now. Put it on, drop the needle, because this was the vinyl copy, which actually had the um, the cutout, the die cut back, where you can put it up like a uh, picture frame, which I thought was kind of cool at the time, but I never I never opened it. Was that all pressings that have that, or was it just Canadian? I don't know. I, I think it definitely was the U.S. pressings, too. So Okay, yeah, okay. You know, I- you know who we need to ask about this? Michael Pilmer. Yes, if he wasn't too uh, too busy getting ready for the tour. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, because I, I I'm pretty sure my copy is a Canadian pressing, just because uh, being in Seattle, we get a lot of Canadian records, especially used, because they just kind of wander down the border. Hmm, interesting. But anyway, though, so uh, that was a that was a bit of a, a digression. But um, uh, anyway, so I I dropped the needle on the record, and you and it opens with uh, "Time Out for Fun," as you well know, where it has the do 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 do. Hello, this is Devo. Hello, this is Devo. We would like to say things go both ways. New ideas, stupid moves. Or dreams come true. Mucho work, minus play. Tension mounts in a twisted face. Dark clouds in the crystal ball. And and that kind of hooked me, like right off. And I ended up like just falling in love with the record immediately. And it was actually kind of funny too because um, that was also. I'm also a huge Weird Al fan. And so much of Dare to Be Stupid is taken from Oh No. Like, I mean, there's there's other references in, in that song, too. And I've often thought about, you know, going through the video and, like, writing down every single Devo reference, because there's a ton. Because Al is a huge Devo fan as well, but... Yeah, some of the, some of the references in that video are really deep. Yes, yes. Like the sign language thing from the concert film. Yes. <laughs> I love I that's the thing that I that made like Dare to be Stupid so much more resonant for me is getting into Devo and being like, oh, Al is hardcore. <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff that, you know, pretty much only a hardcore Devo fan would get in that video. I mean reference wise, not just, you know, comedy wise, you know, but yeah. and and yeah, I just really liked it. And I mean, honestly, Dare to Be Stupid has always been one of my favorite Al songs too. So, I think it was kind of fate. 
I'm in a similar camp. I definitely heard Dare to be Stupid before I really got into Devo. Um, I remember, I think I, I told my, my Devo origin story as we were way back in episode one of the original show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you the, the abridged version here. Um, some a new online friends were, were into them. I figured I'd check them out, check them out. Yeah, yeah, this is good stuff. Then suddenly catch a rerun of the Devo episode of Saturday Night Live from 1978. And that just broke me <laughs> in, in, in the best possible way. Uh, especially the, the uh, cover of Satisfaction, which uh, for those playing along at home, that is on the first album, Q, Are We Not Men, A, We Are Devo. And as someone who grew up in classic rock, hearing that deconstructed, destroyed uh, version of Satisfaction, it's like, you can't do that. <laughs> and yet, there you are, and I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, And then, of course, Jocko Homo, the other song that night. All I can say about that is, like, in my mind's eye, I still remember them somehow playing the song, like, on all the instruments while they were stripping off their suits, despite the fact that every time I've watched it since, I, I realize, no, they, they stopped, the guitar players stopped playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I know what I saw. <laughs> so, oh no, it's Devo, though. That's, it's an interesting place to start because for a lot of people, they consider that sort of the beginning of the, uh, beginning of the end. Yeah, and it's it's really on to me because honestly, like even even today, my two favorite Devo records are that one and Duty Now for the Future, and it's kind of like you can almost flip a coin as to which one is going to be my favorite on any individual day. Just like for me, those two are of the the highest quality, which is not to say you know that Q or Freedom of Choice or uh, New Traditionalists or even Shout are not brilliant or, or uh, um, something for everybody. Their, their newest record or their newest real record. Cause they just released the, uh, was it something else for everybody? The uh, outtakes from that, which is full of really great songs too. <laughs> if one thing I've noticed about Devo fans, sorry to talk over you. It's, it's like everyone has this, there's a record where they basically, I mean, there's very few who, who are, who are like, who are like me and find something to love out of everything. Mm-hmm. You can uh, just sort of like the the true marks of a, of like a hardcore Devo fan I've found from being in the community is everyone thinks Dude Now for the Future is the greatest. Mm-hmm. And everyone has a particular record where they think that everything dropped off and it's either Freedom of Choice, it's the last one, New Traditionalist or Oh No, nobody picks Shout. Only one, I know one person who thinks Total Devo is the best album. Oh my God, who? Um, Oh, why can't I remember her name? She's the one who did the Devo podcast. Uh, that- oh, oh, um, I know who you mean. Um, Lucky Nerd, right? Is that her? Yes, her- yes. I don't yes. remember her real name, unfortunately. I, I, that sucks. I, I, I suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that surprises me because, like, honestly, I mean, I, like, I mean, there's something to love about every Devo record, like you say, but um, let's just say Total has the least, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah, I can I can agree with that, <laughs> but yeah, because like, but I, I I know that I'm kind of in the minority too, and that I I still really love Shout. Like I I I think that's a deeply underrated record. The biggest problem I have with Shout has always been just the production. It's got too many goofy sound effects, and it's the bass is kind of lacking because it's all Fairlight. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that, but I don't know it. It's not as uh, 
marred by 1984 production as a lot of other records from 1984. Like, if you had to scrape off the crap, there's a lot less crap to scrape off of uh, Shout than there is of, you know, God, like, Mummer, maybe? I guess that was 1983, but still. Roughly, yeah, roughly the same time. Um, yeah, Mummer is one of those XTC records that I do not uh, get much into. No, Mummer, Mummer is my total. And the funny thing is, it was Mummer was released on my third birthday. So it's like, happy birthday! Here's our shittiest record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there. Yeah, Love on a Farm Boy's Wage is about the only XTC song off of Mummer that I can honestly say I dig. Yeah, I I like the singles from it, and I like Funk Papa Roll, and that's about it. I don't even know which of these were the singles. <laughs> um, Great Fire, Wonderland, and uh, Farm Boy, I think. Okay, so it's one of them. Yeah, well, one out of three. <laughs> it ain't too bad. Yeah. Wrapping around it to uh, O&O again. I mean, oh, yes. it's, uh, this is one of the... It's it's interesting because it's, it is one of the ones that has... Even though it's on the way out, it has some of the... At least among Devo fans, some of the, uh, the more popular... Some of the classic songs. Yeah, and... The one thing that I, I really like about it, too, I mean, is it's the first Devo record where they go almost full-on synthesizer. Like, there's a bit of guitar, but very little. And I remember, like, one time when I was in, like, high school, I think I, like, counted the songs that I actually heard guitar on, and it was, like, maybe half the record. And the other half, I think there is guitar, but it's very heavily processed. Yeah. I think I think you're right, you're right on that. And... And I've heard different reasons for that. Like I've I've heard that you know I, I think that the normal thing is that they just wanted to, you know, that guitars were passe. And then I've heard this like weird rumor that like Jerry was trying to punish Bob One for some reason or something. But that just seemed a little crazy to me. So I, I I I didn't put too much stock in that beyond just like, you know, hilarious dirt kind of thing. You know, where you you hear that and you hear just like oh totally yeah uh huh. <laughs> I mean, Jerry has a reputation, but I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. I mean, it's... I, I honestly tend to take uh, Devo at face value um, when they say that they were... Cause, especially, too, because they had been phasing the guitar out anyway. So, I mean, it, it seems like a natural progression, and the songs aren't missing guitar. You know what I mean? I mean, the songs on Oh No, It's Devo are perfect and fully formed and you know they they don't have guitar parts because they don't have a place for guitar parts right now it's interesting the ones that they've picked to uh perform live in recent years do have prominent guitar parts in fact that's good i i think from 1997 on they've given baba they've replaced the synth solo with a guitar solo to i think great effect yeah yeah I, I i think so too but again that's that's swapping something out you know it's not just over the top like you know oh this is the missing key it's you know it, i mean I, I don't know if that makes sense what i'm what i'm getting at but i i just think it's kind of interesting and you know it's interesting too that they did kind of back off from that mm-hmm. like because i mean shout is in in terms of guitar i mean i think shout is much closer to um neutra than it is oh no for for those of you who who aren't uh, deep into the Devo fan community naming conventions, that's New Traditionalist. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I <laughs> yes, New Traditionalist. I'll I'll try to use the the real names for the records. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think that's something that you you'll run into in sort of any fandom. It's sort of like uh, you know we all have every fandom has their uh, their slang terminology. 
Yeah, I mean, like, you know, they might be giants, and, like, you know, if you talk to a They Might Be Giants fan, you can just say, oh, yeah, pink is awesome, and they'll know what you're talking about, where no one else will, you know? Because the first album is often, which is self-titled, is often referred to as the pink album, because it's kind of got a pinkish sheen, and the back cover of the CD edition, which I think a lot of modern TMBG fans were the one, or I think that's where a lot of them got the album rather than the LP, uh... In the back of the CD is pink, like a bright neon pink. So I think that's kind of where that came from. Makes sense. And yeah, they, all the other albums actually have titles too. So Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but I mean, it's not like one of those ones where it's like Chicago, where all the band, all the records are self-titled, you know? I think they have a couple that have either subtitles or I think there's one that actually has a real title. I remember, I don't know why I was just diving into a Wikipedia rat hole looking up Chicago albums. I don't even like Chicago. <laughs> I like early Chicago. I guess early what I've heard of early Chicago is okay. You, you can't really go wrong with 25 or 6 to 4. Right, right, right. That that or, or Saturday in the Park or I didn't even realize that was Chicago. I know that song. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically it wasn't until the 80s when they started to suck. When they met up with uh, David Foster and he turned everything to shit. But very very successful high-selling shit. <laughs> I have opinions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, anyway, though, um, yeah, I, I like I just love the hell out of Ono oh It's Devo. I, I'm getting things back on track to be less bad. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's one of those records, too, that, that Stem to Stern is great. Like, honestly, there's nothing off from it that I would cut. And, I mean, I think everything is pretty much sequenced perfectly, too. I mean, it, it just... The, the record flows. The record is a complete statement, I think. And even though it's a bunch of songs, just a collection of songs, it's not a concept record or anything, I still think that you get more out of it by listening it, listening to, to it in order than by just, you know, listening to it on shuffle or whatever. Definitely some the conceptual... It, it's, not, it's not a concept record, but it definitely has a wholeness to it. Just the way some of the songs even just seg into each other, it's... If it wasn't for the fact that I've listened to the heck out of uh, and watched the heck out of live recordings from the era, from the from the tour, mm-hmm. that I I wouldn't be able to hear some of the songs in in other order in another order. For clarification, like on the 1982 Oh No It's Devo tour, the the first seven songs of the sh- of the set were seven songs: uh, "Time Out for Fun," uh, "Patterns," "Out of Sync," uh, "Speed Big Ma- Speed Racer," "Big Mess." Peekaboo, and then that's good. Uh, and wait, I don't think it was after Peekaboo. Yeah, yeah, I think Peekaboo was a little bit earlier in the set. But anyway, though, but yeah, and it and it's kind of funny too because there's like a few of those that they actually do in order, right? I mean, album order, not just you know. Actually, no, I think it's all completely different. I think I know B- Speed Racer and Big Mess are are, are switched. Around. Yeah, but doesn't um, Explosions and Out of Sync follow? Like, isn't that right? No, they only did Explosions once. Oh, oh, that's that wasn't in the normal set then, right? Yeah, because I'm thinking of the the three Devo show, I think, which was we'll a sh- include a link to that in the sh- yeah in the in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, that was a special that they did for what ABC, I think, where I think it was like a pay per view thing for uh, college campuses, and it was a cluster expletive. <laughs> yes, I, I I know you're the one who should be doing the talking here, but I'm the I'm the Devo scholar, so I guess I can do the backstory on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this was a, a pay-per-view slash uh, college uh, TV broadcast special, um, a 3D concert uh, film video, 
well, the first part of it wasn't three day. It was just uh, showing the uh, the band as they performed against the video. They had synchronized video for the first seven songs. Um, and the first sign that things were about were, were going wrong is during the song appropriately enough. Well, actually, during the song Speed Racer, everything started to go out. The backing track and the video and the band all went out of sync. And so they basically had to abandon the song Big Mess about 30 seconds in. Not a good start. Mm. And after we're after after they they managed to get it back on track for the song Peekaboo, but uh, and finish up the video set video part, only for things to uh, hit the fan in the second second half of the show, where the three D stuff completely doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, they take a couple moments during a during a performance of Jocahoma. Mark just brings out these terrible these cheap three D gags to make fun of the uh, the promotion for the show. Because <laughs> apparently it was poorly run too, and then later on, as Boogie Boy during Beautiful World goes on an extended angry, angry rant, and it's you can find this all online. I'll drop a link in the show notes to the video as it circulates. And it's a shame because it's the only documentation of this uh, of this tour and video. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's the one online. Is that any better uh, video quality? Because I have a bootleg vhs uh from a friend of mine john felix who sent that to me and you can see it but it's very very hazy it is better quality it's sourced from the same it's sourced from uh the boogie boys basement dvd which i believe is sourced from as close to the broadcast master as anyone is able to get awesome so it's got some it's got a lot of vhs uh, scratches on it but it's not terribly hazy, and the sound quality is pretty darn good. Cool, cool. I'll, I'll have to check that out then, because like, I remember like being like when I watched it on the tape, I being like intrigued, but I couldn't quite tell what was going on half the time. So it was almost sort of like a half remembered dream. <laughs> like I, because like there's like, is it Whippet that has the the guys in the war room? Oh, you have the pay per view version. That's even worse. Yeah, they they took uh. Uh, uh, the, 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 the one that circulates online is the full concert. Um, they took it and edited it out, edited the, uh, full concert down further, cutting out, you know, all the, all the technical goofs and all the, uh, angry ranting <laughs> and threw in a bunch of pre-recorded 3D scenes. Yeah. Cause I didn't remember much of the, the Boogie Boy rant. I remember a little bit in the pay-per-view version where, like I think I think it was kind of clear that Boogie was not happy, <laughs> but I don't remember like full on like you know burn it to the ground, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I'll definitely throw that in the show notes. Um, the the whole thing is on YouTube uh, in in individual song pieces. So, mm-hmm. but it, it's 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 worth seeing because I mean, the, how many bands in the eighties could pull together having custom synchronized video? with their concert and doing uh, a, a and be guilted into doing a, a live 3d broadcast. that doesn't work. <laughs> it was a good on idea on paper. And I, and in a way, I mean, I think that that speaks to the good thing of Devo is that they were, they were willing to give it a shot. They said they saw something that was like really cool or at least on paper, and hadn't been done before, and it turned out it hadn't been done before for a reason, but they, they, they still gave it the old college try. <laughs> yeah. And it's a cool idea. Yeah. The whole thing with Devo has always sort of been a uh, visual as well as musical thing. 
Yes. Which makes talking about it on an audio podcast all the more fun. <laughs> yeah. But but that's the thing, though, is, I mean, even though Devo was so very visual, there you it's not a thing where you're missing... You're not missing 50% of it by listening to the record. They... It's more that the record itself is 100%, and then the visuals kick it up to 150%. Right. It's something I think a lot of uh, performance-type bands tend to forget, is that you know, not everyone's going to be watching your music videos, not everyone's going to be able to see you in concert. The music has to be able to stand up on its own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I mean, it's like sort of like with the... Um, the the kids records that they might be giants put out like the first one um here comes the abcs like it, the they all come with the dvds but like that one that dvd was structured like a show which is actually really good it's like kind of like a it's kind of like sesame street inspired but the thing is is that there's a lot of segments on there being sesame street inspired that are all video and inexplicably those songs show up on the cd like the one that's like letter not a letter where like on the picture they would show like a symbol that would either be some drawing or a letter and then the kids would shout out letter or not a letter and and, like that for like a minute and a half and it's absolutely baffling on the cd because yeah you go like i don't know what that is and it's like Oddly enough, neither do I. <laughs> I got nothing to add to that one. Wow, I, I think that I haven't really paid much attention to the kids' records aside from uh, from the first one, No, which that's which probably stands up on its own. Yeah, No is legit good. Um, everything else is kind of shitty. Like Here Comes Science is probably the best of the three, the three non No ones. But honestly, none of them are really that worth checking out. Unless you have small kids. Right, right, right. But I mean, as an adult fan. Yeah. So back to, back to Devo. <laughs> Who also did a kid's project. <laughs> kind of. Yeah I'm, I, yeah. I'm one of the weirdest who actually kind of liked Devo 2.0, but... <laughs> I kind of did too. That, that's, its own, that's its own rat hole right there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, like, Oh No, It's Devo is just a phenomenal record to me, and I... Even though it's an odd place to start, I think it was kind of the best place to start for me. It was like, this is my hole. <laughs> you know, the uh, enigma of Amagura Fault. I mean, some of the songs um, I know are definitely classics, I think. Um, you know, we talked a little, you mentioned, uh, you know, the lead off track, Time After Fun. You mentioned uh, I Desire. I Desire. about I Desire because I think that warrants a discussion because it's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it has a yeah, it definitely has an interesting backstory. I'll let you take the lead on this one. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, this is one of my favorite uh stories about the song is and I'll 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 tell that story after I I tell the backstory because you need the backstory, but basically um I Desire which is the one that was, you know, from the Barnes and Barnes record as uh before you leave. Um was t- the lyrics from that were taken 
from, I think it was a People magazine article about John Hinckley, the uh, fellow who uh, tried to assassinate President Reagan to impress Jodie Foster. And basically, Jerry found this article, which had a bunch of his letters and poetry in it. And he took one of the poems or, 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 and basically kind of rejiggered it a little bit to make a song. And I, I think he used some of the stuff from the letters as well. But basically cobbled, to, cobbled it together with Mark and put it into this song. And if you actually look on the label... And I, um, it's it says Mothersbach Asali Hinckley, and the funny thing is, is like I think that that's the reason why. Um, oh no, it's Devo is the only Devo record where songs are credited as being written only by last name, which is kind of tricky in a band with two sets of brothers. But but if you look at every other record, it's like always you know Mark Mothersbaugh slash Gerald V Casali or you know or Jerry and Bob One or or however you know it's split up you know usually because usually Mark and Jerry of course but there's a few exceptions but but that one was the only one that was uh, Mothersbaugh Casali and Mothersbaugh Mothersbaugh Casali Hinckley and basically they did it because they thought it would be hilarious if John Hinckley Jr. The man who tried to kill President Reagan was on the Warner Brothers payroll, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. They got visits from the FBI about that, if not memory serves. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> they, they This was not a popular move amongst anybody except for Defo. <laughs> well, and me. <laughs> and the, you know, but, um, but yeah, and then one thing that I... I always remember is like one of the very first radio shows that I did in college. Um, it was me and Jeremiah on the mic. And then uh, I think this is basically when I met Dale, who's like a very close friend of mine as well. Um, he, he used to be the uh, news director slash engineer slash everything of the station that year. And so he was up during our show. Um, and at the time our slogan was, you know, KCCR killer music. And so I, so we played that and I said, I told Jeremiah, like, let me, let me, let me sell this one because I've got something to, I've got a, I've got a, a line. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. So, um, I do it and go like, and that was the I Desire by Devo. And, uh, I know here that we, we, uh, try to do killer music, but unfortunately I don't have any of that. So, uh, here's some attempted killer music. <laughs> and, and Dale was like standing there, you know, fixing, fixing, uh, something. I don't remember what. And he just started cracking up. <laughs> and that was basically when we all became, like, really close friends, so... And I think I have a show title. <laughs> Attempted Killer Music, or...? Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, and it's, it's one that, I mean... And here's the thing, though. It's like, honestly, I think I Desire is a really great song. I mean, even without the the backstory of it, if you just approach it as a pop song, I think it's really a great song. And I think it's kind of cool the way that even if you don't know the source, there's a sense of unease with the the lyrics. Like there's a bit of a there there is a creepy level going on with the lyrics that even if you don't know that it's you know John Hinckley trying to convince Jodie Foster to marry him because he'll kill the president for her or whatever. You know, even if you don't know that, there's something not quite right. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a stonker song. Yes, yes. But but more than that, though, I mean, as it seems like, because I mean, you could say that, like, you know, My Name is True is a stalker song, too. And that song does have an edge to it, but there's, and I'm, and I'm not dissing that song, obviously, because I love Elvis, but um, I think Devo nailed the the unease better than Elvis did. Yeah, they were always good at that. And that's not even the only song on the record who that has that unease to it i mean yes. the whole i think it's an unease record um yeah probably the best ex- next best example would be say uh big mess yeah This one was uh, inspired by these psychotic letters by uh, someone who claimed to be a radio DJ named Cowboy Kim. Uh, the letters themselves are actually in the possession of uh, Devo archivist Michael Pilmer. I'll, I'll link to uh, his uh, his page where you can look at them, and it's the lyrics are almost verbatim from mm-hmm. these uh, from these letters too. It's just this portrait of someone who's really just even more unhinged than uh, than Hinckley. Hopefully without the the homicidal part. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, I mean, isn't it, like, a really childlike scrawl, too? Like, if if you didn't read the, the content or know the story, like, wouldn't you say that the guy was, like, maybe an eight-year-old, like, from his penmanship? Yeah, but then again, I, my, my penmanship sucks, too, so I can I can sympathize. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean... But but with me is like my my stuff is unreadable in a in an adult form. Like his stuff is unreadable in a kid form. I think. True. I'm just looking at my handwritten notes and thinking, yeah, yeah, I, I should have gone into med. I should have gone to med school. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, yeah, there, and and I think like I think Deep Sleepy, which doesn't have a backstory or at least one that I know of, there there is this kind of quasi nightmarish thing, and maybe it's partly because of the. The aforementioned pay-per-view version of the three Devo concert had this kind of weird thing of people sleeping in pods with evil doctors kind of hovering around. I remember that. It's been forever since I watched the pay-per-view version of the three Devo show, and I remember that. Yeah, same here. So, I mean, I, I could be getting a, a little bit wrong, but I mean, that that's kind of... But it has this real sinister video look, and it could be also because of the three feet of haze that's over the picture on my tape, but... <laughs> But I don't know, it just has this really creepy dreamlike quality in a nightmarish sort of way. And I, I've heard that this is basically um, a record that was not a easy birth. Um, that basically, I th- I've heard that like Devo's interpersonal relationships were kind of beginning to fall apart with this record. No, I'm not, I don't know necessarily if that's the case, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I've heard that they were at least fighting a lot, is, you know... That it, it was it was not a a happy happy time, um, but like sometimes misery makes great records, <laughs> you know. Well, it also didn't help. I think that uh, the actual producer, um, oh, what 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 is the gentleman's name? He produced a bunch of Queen records too. Oh, uh, Roy Thomas Baker, right? Roy Thomas Baker, yeah. Uh, from I remember reading an interview with Jerry where he basically said Roy Thomas Baker basically checked out after the first day. That's yeah, that's what I'd kind of heard because. Honestly, it doesn't really sound like a, a Roy Thomas Baker record. It sounds like a Devo record production-wise. Yeah. 
I remember specifically Jerry saying that he would come to the studio, order a deep dish pizza, and then eat that while drinking a whole bottle of wine instead of uh, touching the, the, the controls. Wow. And that always amazes me just because, like, I mean, for me, it, I, mean, I guess for me, too, it's sort of like, you know, oh, my God, the chance to work with Devo, you know, but also, too, it just seems like on a professional level, it seems... Because, I, I don't know, I, I guess for me, it's like... I, I see production as a creative endeavor, and even even if it's a band that you don't like, which I don't think is the case with uh, uh, Roy Thomas Baker, because didn't he also work on Freedom of Choice, or am I misremembering that? No, that was uh, Robert Margaleff. Oh, that's right, that's right. Well, I thought I thought that uh, Roy Thomas Baker like remixed a track or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't know. Okay, I, I I could be wrong, but it, but at any rate though, I mean, like I don't think that there's any evidence necessarily that he like was like er Devo, but it just seems that like even if you're doing a production on a bad band, you know, I mean, I still think that it's kind of professional to do your best, and also there might just be sort of like an amusing challenge in polishing a turd. <laughs> I mean, and again, I'm not saying that 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 was the case here, but I mean, I'm just saying as a, I guess as the type of person that I am. Like if I if I were the producer, I I I would still produce. I guess I wouldn't just eat, eat deep dish pizza because deep dish pizza is kind of gross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I live in New York. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not pizza. That's not pizza. That's casserole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get letters. <laughs> Uh, Matt is Kitty's nieces on Twitter. You can uh, direct your angry tweets at him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to talk, I mean, Steve Albini, he'll produce anyone who can afford it, and I, I think he at least you know has the uh, temerity to put it. Who always do a, a actually work at it if they're paying him. So yeah, you know he should he should be your example for how to do your job as a producer, if not in terms of style or equipment, at least you know in terms of being a professional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always figured that, you know, they they would hire me for a reason, so I might as well give them that reason for better or for worse. Speaking of Albini, did you read the uh, interview that he uh, did recently for some uh, online magazine? You'll have to refresh my memory, because he's done a little bit of press lately, and I've read some of it and some of it I haven't. Um, in that he talks a bit about the house he's building and, and how much he likes to cook and uh, stuff like that as well as just, you know, being a producer. Okay, I don't think I've read that one then. I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll track it down on my Insta paper and, and shoot it and shoot you the link. Cool. And drop that link in the show notes for all the curious people out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like Albini is a, you know, by all by all accounts is a really prickly guy, but you know, and and honestly like I'm not the hugest fan of his style. Like I I I wish he would lean on the bass a little bit more. He tends to mix the bass kind of down, I think. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's my own personal opinion, but the thing is, is like, I, 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 I still have a lot of respect for him and it's still too. It's like when Albini produces your record, you know, you have an Albini record. It, he, you know, like, I, I think, I think that he would, you know, probably like go off on a two hour rant about the, uh, the deep dish and wine method of producing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So back to the record. Uh, still got some time to talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you're saying that this was your first exposure, um, and besides, uh, you know, whip it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, the video singles, because I think I'd probably seen, like, Satisfaction somewhere, too. and But you know what I mean, though, where it's, like, when it's background noise rather than the focus. Right. You know, this being, well, where did you go from, from here? I mean, obviously, this uh, converted you, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to know how the process went from beyond just the first listen. Okay. I think, well, for me, it was, like, uh, after that, I pretty much, like, whenever I could find a Devo record, I, if it was one that I did not have, I would buy it. And I think for me, I think I went with the kind of the traditional of uh, Q and uh, Freedom of Choice, or Q Are We Not Men and Freedom of Choice, uh, just just because I knew that those were like, you know, the hits. And so I kind of figured, you know, oh, okay, if, you know, if this one is so good, you know, the hit records are going to be great. And they are. But I still think that, you know, Oh No is, Oh No and Duty Now are the, are the superior records but there's still so much to go into and one other story i have is like when i was like just getting into devo um it was like my senior year of high school which is also the year of the constant migraine uh where i would have like i would be i was missing like something like you know a couple weeks of school at a time off of this it was high school, so it didn't really matter, but, <laughs> but yeah. And, but I remember getting a copy of, um, new traditionalist and I was so excited, but I couldn't listen to it because Devo was very percussive and percussion and migraines don't really get along. So I ended up like after like a couple days of sitting at home in pain, not listening to music. I said, I was going insane, made my mom take me to tell her records and I got, um, like uh, the complete Simon and Garfunkel, uh, the American Pie album by Don McLean, which is a record I still love today, honestly, and the Easy Listening Disc by Devo. <laughs> <laughs> and that was sort of my Devo fix. Although I have to admit, the Easy Mix or the Easy version of um, "Girl You Want" was not particularly happy on my migraines because of the, you know. So I, I usually would have to put that one at very low volume or skip it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is too bad because it's a really great version, but <laughs> yeah, and it was great live on the nineteen eighty two tour. Yes, yes. Um, so that, but but that was just one of those things that I was sort of like, eh, what? Eh, you know, because I wanted to listen to Nutra so bad, but I knew I didn't. I didn't really want to hurt more. <laughs> the things you love always hurt you, isn't that the saying? <laughs> I think it's you always hurt the ones you love. But I, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I think it's a mutual. It's a, it's a it's it is a mutual relationship between us and Devo. I think it's yeah. You know, even they've always been good to their fans too. So I yes, I, I, I admire that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I I I don't think there's a lot of bands that would have a quasi supported you know thing like Boogie's Boys Boogie Boys Basement where you can get all the bootlegs right, or let alone. A band member, you know, rest in peace, Bob, too, cooking dinner for a room full of hardcore fans who went out to Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, that is amazing. That That is really cool. That that made me sad that I missed that. Yeah, same here. And, and Bob, too, was the nicest guy, too, because he, he's the one member of Devo I've gotten to meet. And he was just the coolest, nicest guy. It's, it's fun. I, the, the only time I ever met Bob too was uh, after a new the, one of the uh, I think it was the uh, Are We Not Men show in New York because mm. I didn't stick around after the Freedom of Choice show because I was just too damn tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but 
I, he was sort of off to the side, and I went over and just handed him my copy of uh, The Beginning Was the End, the uh, the crazy pseudoscience book that inspired the band. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh my god, you have the book. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he signed the cover, and I shook his hand, and I just sort of sheepishly walked away. Not, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't have minded, but uh, I, I just like... I, I kind of, I kind of was a little intimidated because I'm like, I'm coming up to you, I don't know you, and I have this really rare book, and uh. yeah, I think for me it was like kind of the opposite effect, effect where I, because I actually did like Ben and I and Dale, um, um, all talked to Bob too for quite a bit actually, and it was just sort of like, I think it, I think where you had the oh my god hero of mine shut down. I think I went like, oh my god, hero of mine, this explode everything. <laughs> you know, and just, and yeah, and, but the thing is, is that he, you know, he was very nice and he, he, he accepted the explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you, you wrote about that uh, after he passed away uh, on Kitty's thesis. I'll make sure to drop a link to that in there in the notes. Yeah, yeah. And, but, um, but yeah, he was just a, a class act, a wonderful, wonderful human being. And yeah, I, I to be honest, like I kind of get the impression of that, like for the other guys in Devo too. But I don't, you know, I've never, I've not met them, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> um, Bob one, I had a great experience with that after the, the uh, Are We Not Men show to the fact point where he actually came up to me and said, can I get my picture taken with you? I'm like, oh, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like. Back at the the the, uh, the venue bar, talking with some people, and I, I turn. There's Bob, and you know I'm wearing my down <laughs> just just for the occasion. And can I get a picture take with you? And so we you know, we had a nice chat. Uh, it was it was really nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I also got my picture taken with Josh that night. I like Josh a lot too. I think he's really come into his own as the Devo drummer too. Because I, I think I think I've talked about this a little bit, but I think in his early days in like '96 or so. He was playing a little bit too punk because I think he is he is just still like just off the vandals or at least you know you know they were still kind of his main concern I think at that point and I think he played a little bit too punk but now he he really nails the Devo sound yeah it'll be interesting hearing him play the the hardcore material this summer uh, if if you're even slightly curious. Um, and you have some money to spend, go see if there's tickets left for whatever, if they're playing in any of the 10 venues near you, uh, go see the Hardcore Devo tour this summer. Money, proceeds are going to benefit the family of Bob Casale, Bob too. And Josh is going to be drawing for them. But it's interesting comparing how, talking about Josh being able, nearly nailing it now, uh, they just released the DVD of the, the Devo Sundance performance from 1996. Mm-hmm. Now this, this is, serious fan stuff fanboy stuff um it was a limited release of records tour day but you know you compare like uh the way josh played with them on the Lollapalooza tour which I, i'll drop some links to that in the show notes um with the sundance show and and it there's this this look on josh's face the almost the entire night of like oh my god <laughs> He he looks like a like a scared little kid back there, <laughs> and yet he's he's playing he, and and yet playing playing perfectly. But well, yeah, well, I mean, he he taught he's a consummate him, professional. Yeah, I mean, and he he taught himself to drum from Devo Records, right? Yeah, freedom of choice specifically. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. which honestly, I mean, if you're going to learn from a drummer, Alan is the one to go with, <laughs> or at least one of them. You know, the, the human metronome. May he also rest in peace. Yes, 
it, it's sad when band members die. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of wish we were still doing Starship Radio when that when that happened. I know we talked a bit about Alan, but yeah, it, it felt kind of like weird to not talk about Bob. I know, I know, because well, we're we're getting it out now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean that was just an absolute shock. That was one of those things where I immediately went like, okay, this is a hoax, but it's a really weird hoax because why would you lie about? You know, Bob too. You know, <laughs> what had me really worried is that I heard it from uh, Helmer, right? From no, not from Pilmer, from uh, Bob Lewis. Oh, wow! The uh, for again for those not know, Bob Lewis was one of the original founding members of the band. So, yeah, um, you know, I, Bob may not have a may, may have his disagreements with with Devo, but uh, he's he's not one who would lie about that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. He he's not an asshole. My, my hope was just that it was. Yeah, my hope was just 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 a mistake. Like it was another Bob Casali. It was no, you know there has to be more than one. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, I mean, Casali's not that obscure a name, and, you know, Bob. <laughs> there, right, I mean, so. there's two Bobs in the band, <laughs> so, you know, that goes to show you how rare that name is. <laughs> I, I have, uh, my father is my father's name Bob, my grandfather's name Bob, I have two brothers named Bob. Wait, two brothers? Yes. Uh, one from my mother's side, from her first marriage, oh. and one from my father's side, from his first marriage. Ah, okay. Okay, that that makes sense. I was like... Yeah. Thinking that your 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 parents were just deeply un- unimaginative, and then had a sudden flash of inspiration. And they're like, "Richard, Richard, <laughs> that's the other name we'll use." <laughs> nah, uh, it, it's nah, it's it's just spooky coincidence. I also have a nephew who 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 goes by Bob sometimes as well. So. <laughs> it makes family gatherings kind of interesting. You know, you hear someone yell, hey, "Bob, which one?" <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I was heartbroken. I, that that whole day, as soon as I found out, basically, I just sat, uh, dove in, put on my headphones, and listened straight through to every Devo record. Because what else can you do? Yeah, I I pretty much did the same, and yeah, I was just like, I I I I was a quiet guy that day. Although I I felt kind of weird when people were apologizing to me for my loss because I was sort of like. But he's not my family. He's a he's just a dude in a band that I adore. But in a way, I think in a in a screwy sort of way, I can see that because in a in a kind of a weird way, like Devo, and I'm and I'm talking like persona wise here, just because we don't know the real guys in Devo. But it seems that like Devo is kind of family for for people like us who have like I mean, for I mean, I think I think I think it's fair to say that you know, Devo has kind of shaped both of our lives. I'd say so. I mean, everything I listen to now, more or less, is because I, I discovered Devo, and it it got me inspired to go check out new stuff. And one of the reasons we became friends is through through a mutual appreciation of Devo. I think, yeah, back, back in the live journal days, yeah, yeah. And like in Spud Talk and and LJ and stuff like that and but yeah but I mean it just seems that so in a in a way like even though at the time it it struck me as weird it it that, that people were were you know apologizing you know sorry for your loss you know it it really makes sense and I I really you know it's kind of funny because even though as even as people were saying it to me as as I was processing it I still felt you know thankful for their understanding too you know but it. But it is kind of funny, like that how how fame affects us, I guess, you know, because again, like I mean, like 
even though I've gotten to meet Bob too, I mean, I think we, you know, it's probably spent all of like, you know, 10 minutes with the man and that's probably an exaggeration. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's still like, I really did feel that loss, which is kind of interesting to me, I guess that, you know, how, how someone that you don't know personally can have such a impact on you. And it's, I felt the same way when, when Douglas Adams died and when David Foster Wallace mm-hmm. died. I don't think I felt it quite as strong as I did with Bob too, though. It's something about, I think it has to do with, with music. And in a way I can't like fully elaborate. Yeah. And I, I, I'm right there with you. Cause I mean, I know with like David Foster Wallace, when he died, I was sad and I wrote a, a eulogy there too, but it seemed that with Bob too, it just seemed a bit more personal to me, like a personal hit. I guess maybe because I did meet Bob too and never met David Foster Wallace. I don't know. Maybe it's just that like I'd been a Devo fan for longer. I don't know, you know, because uh, I mean Devo really did get me through high school, and that was one of the things that Bob too said was that you know uh, he was retroactively out made our um, me and Ben's uh, high school advisor, <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of true, honestly. <laughs> you know, I mean Devo you know, really did shape a lot of my worldview, you know, then. And it was sort of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Devo was an important band to me and still is. And I, I mean, I still have Devo crap on my walls. I'm actually literally wearing a Devo shirt right now. Which one? Uh, it's the uh, one with the sparkly uh, or the silver dots and the blue energy dome on the uh, sleeve from the uh, Something From Everybody tour. Oh, I wanted to get one of those. They were sold out of my size. Oh, yeah, I got one. <laughs> but 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 yeah, but I mean, and, and there's a good chance that when you, the listener, are listening to this, whenever, and since the podcast, I have no idea when you are going to be listening to this, but there's probably at least a 50-50 shot that whenever that time is, I am probably going to be wearing a Devo shirt at that time too. <laughs> I've got a lot of Devo shirts. <laughs> I think my two, I think that's like mainly like Devo and they might be giants or most of my t-shirts in the residence. I think if I, I think if I were to throw out all of my shirts by those three bands, I'd basically be going like bare chested most of the time, <laughs> which, you know, no, no one wants. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, that that's I think it's probably a good place to end on there. The, mm. Both the, the the sad and the happy and the and the horrifying bear chest, yeah, <laughs> and the horrifying, yeah. You 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 have a website that I occasionally contribute to called Kitty Sneezes. Yep. And um, do you mind if I uh kind of plug a uh, painful threshold a little bit too? Yeah, yeah. You've got a, a podcast of your own that you're going to be starting up soon. Yes, yes. Um, I I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it looks like the um. The setup phase is nearing an end very rapidly, um, if it hasn't actually ended already. Um, and basically, uh, I'm going to be launching a new podcast here pretty soon, and it's going to be a UK-style panel show where uh, you can where all of the the questions and topics discussed and whatnot uh, will be determined by what is submitted to the Tumblr account of the podcast uh before that before that show uh and you can go there at uh should be just uh painful threshold.com uh t-h-r-e-s-h-o-l-d uh because i know that that's apparently one of the 
most misspelled words, which I probably wouldn't have uh, put in the podcast title had I known, but oh well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to save everyone typing, we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. Yes, yes. Um, And you can go there. You don't need a Tumblr account to submit a question or or anything. Um, And basically, I'm hoping to do a... Uh, a, a first record here in a week or two is what I'm kind of aiming for. Yeah, and if I'm, as long as it's not the weekend of the 14th, uh, I should hopefully be free to 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 guest on that if you'd like to have me. Okay, yeah, I uh, I I may keep that in mind. Uh, I mean, I will keep that in mind, but I I I may lean on you. Uh, I've kind of preliminarily asked one guest, um, and then one guest said that she wanted to be on the very first show, so she's she's in there unless she can't make it. Uh, to the record for whatever reason, uh, and I I've got another guest in mind that I need to to actually ask and then also confirm with the first guy. So, so hopefully it will be soon. Um, and cool. I, I'm really excited for it. I think it has. Uh, I think it's got a lot of a potential. Um, and I I like the UK style panel show because we don't really. I think the, the closest thing we have to that in America is um, at midnight on Comedy Central. Which is awesome. You guys should you should all totally watch it. I mean, both you, Rich, and you, the listener. There's also wait, wait, don't tell me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess I, I was thinking on TV, you know, because like at midnight okay. is the one that I, I go for. Even though, of course, this is going to be an audio podcast. So, so wait, wait, don't tell me is probably the the better reference point. But whatever. <laughs> cool. Well. I'm looking forward to to uh, the hearing it or being part of it, whichever happens. Yes, and and, I, and I'm sure that you will be on a future episode, if not the first episode. Awesome. Yeah. So go go check that out again. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, this is Crush on Radio. You can find us on Constellation.fm/crush. Uh, also, CrushonRadio.com for the older episodes. For Crush on Radio on the Twitter and on the like, you can like us on the Facebook and review us on the iTunes and uh, you know show us show us your love and appreciation because we we love you. Yes. And thank you for joining me, Matt. No problem. Thank you for having me. Great to talk to you again. Ditto. Especially about Defo. Yes. <laughs> a promise or a threat fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>